knows more shit. I've always go talk to the pharmacist first. You know, especially with like, if you have a head cold or something, not anymore, I guess with COVID, you don't want to go stick your face to pharmacist, right? You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the pandemic kind of complicated that. Does the, for sure. does the state of Texas allow you to call yourself a doctor? I mean, I, I have friends who like deliberately will say, you know, doctor, you okay. know, like Dr. John Smith. And they're just like, are you a physician? It's like, no, I'm a pharmacist. And it's like, the- Wait a second. There is this, there is, you feel like there is some degree of bait and switch, but the, it is. The licensing, I, I, uh, you know what? Delaware's Listen, professional I, licensing uh, office, very specifically in our laws, says that if you are a pharmacist, yes, you have taken a, a course that has doctor level stuff. You cannot sign your name, doctor. Get over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a pretty raw deal, especially when DDS has now changed their degree to DMD just so they mm-hmm. can write like the MD part after. It's just like, guys, like how, how insecure are you? <laughs> you just say, yeah. no, I want to be able to put MD after my name. It's like, well, for so long, everybody said, you know, <laughs> you're a doctor? No, I'm he's a, a dentist. I'm trying to remember there was somebody who said there's, there's an office that you can apply to to make up letters to go after your name. So you, like I said, you can, you can have letters after your name, but uh, there's an office that you can apply to to like assign mm-hmm. a meaning to those letters. Yeah. Like you can make some, you can make up whatever you want. I, like, I mean, you can also get a doctor. You can get a doctorate in some ridiculous bullshit and call yourself doctor. I don't, yeah. makes, you know. I mean, you can be an academic. Yeah, you can get a degree in something. Right. I won't. And I call won't, yourself yeah, a, and call yourself a doctor. Any, yeah. Right. Yeah. Call yeah, yourself yeah, a doctor. As a, yes. as, a, as a former mechanic, I always refer to myself as an automotive doctor because. I don't, <laughs> there you know. go. That's not that's not a thing. Yeah. You know, for, it should be for a little I mean, bit of extra. Go to that office and get the letters after his name. He could be like you know, you know, doctor of auto mechanicism or something. You know, something mechanicism. I'm a I'm a grease monkeyologist. There you go. I mean, just add ology to anything at them, and you and you have a fighting chance. I mean. You could go to Universal Life Church and become an ordained minister. You don't even have to go into seminary. There, yeah. right, to the, right there. And Matt, yeah. aren't you also? Yes, Matt is also a ULC I'm minister. Also, yes, Good job. <laughs> Look at this. If we I, I and if we send them a few extra yet. bucks, we can get our doctorate in divinity. Yeah, maybe. that's right. Why go to seminary? We can just get a certificate. It's so much cheaper. Also, you can also, to say weddings now. YouTube actually, I think, thinks that we're a church. Why? Because mm. when I want, if you ever watch. Our, our our show, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the suggestions, like up next, right, are, are usually sermons. Well, I think that's because <laughs> we post I, once I a week. Think we're a cult. No, but if you go if, <laughs> if you go if you go on without being logged in, right. watch one of our shows. It'll show you sermons as suggested watching, because they go mm-hmm. once a week, and they're okay. about two and they're about an hour and a half long. Mm-hmm. You don't think that maybe the the AI's just seen our show now and like they need Jesus. <laughs> Anybody who stuck a lo- stuck around for for an hour and a half of this needs Jesus. That's the point. So you uh, are mutually exclusive. Speaking we of needing Jesus, yeah. Speaking of needing Jesus, we're back in the B block of the Media Virus Podcast, <laughs> and I'm gonna. Lob it over to Maddie so we can get started with our interview of what you know, whatever deity you happen to be, you know, I don't wanna just assume that our following is, you know, just only Christians. Well, no, I, I, we but, welcome we welcome Jews and Hindus and Muslims. We welcome everybody to watch the Media Virus podcast. And besides it's whatever, YouTube. whatever your God is, yep. you are sinning right now. You're this is an affront <laughs> to them. So just, I want to be equal, <laughs> equal opportunity offender. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we don't care um, who you need to pray to, but you probably need to pray when, when, we're, when the show's done. <laughs> Doing this, right? That's, yeah. that's the point. So um, we were chit-chatting a little bit, uh, you know, about being, you know, a pharmacist. I'm sure Mike caught some of that. And we right. uh, showed you all of our rashes in the, in the break um, and what creams we should use. I feel so much closer to you guys now. Yeah, well, you know, um, once I hear a professional, I go, hey, you know, go right for it. <laughs> but the, um, but tell us um, a little bit about um, your your website, which I've mm-hmm. forgotten the name of. I've said it five times. 
adaptingleaders.com. Is that correct? There you go. Yep. There we yep. go. We tell, us, tell us more about that and what, you know, tell us the whole story, man. What's, what, what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. Um, part of my adaptation as the leader is to uh, get better at initiating and navigating difficult conversations because until I learned to do that, I was basically either going to get written up because I wasn't keeping my people in line or get fired. So um, the sooner you learn to deal with conflict um, and believe that you can be good at it, uh, the better chances you have of succeeding as a leader. So that's kind of mm-hmm. the you know the simple answer. Uh, to elaborate on that, what I tell people is that leadership saved my career because until I uh, had the chance to facilitate some leadership workshops and that kind of changed my thinking about my own capacity uh, to be a competent leader, until I allowed for that possibility, I couldn't even grow into it. And so um, I started this LLC about two years ago in the heart of the pandemic because I said, you know what, I, I really want to, do people development as a career choice now. And so, you know, I, I know how I wish I'd been trained the way I want to train people. So uh, let me help people navigate difficult conversations that they have to have and, and when they're leading. So who is your ideal client when you're, when, you know, it, I, that's it. That's the whole question. Who's your ideal client? <laughs> there, you go. there you go. It's like, let me just stop here. That's, that's yeah. a complete thought. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I tell people my ideal client is, you know, Asian American leaders, like mid-level leaders uh, in their 20s and 30s. And uh, to be careful and to be and to be clear, like this doesn't exclude me from, you know, working with other clients, right? Uh, niching is meant to, you know, help make my messaging clearer, right? Mm-hmm. And so one of three things happens in niching. One says, you know, I'm in his niche. I want his help. Number two, I'm not in his niche, but I know someone who fits the description of his niche, and so maybe I make a referral. Or -hmm. three, I just like his story, and I want to work with him. So um, I've had people say, I think you're you're cutting away a potential business, but really, I mean, niching down is the best way to actually expand your opportunities, paradoxically enough. And, you know, not for nothing, I, I, I enjoy cultural differences, for the entertainment value. So, <laughs> well, no, I mean, we all yeah. see each other a certain way and it, it yeah. all has to do with our perspective. I, I really feel like talking about those things in a more open way than we typically would is healthy sure. and it, it helps it us understand each other. Um, yes. That being said, there's a whole set of cultural differences between Americans and Asians that nobody is is really talking about and I, I i think that's important because they're they're some of the things that that not only cause these conflicts but make it difficult to to facilitate the the end of that conflict mm-hmm. yeah no i mean i'll i'll be happy to share one one example um and this is fun to see sink our teeth into if you want uh so i was at this like international multicultural networking events like right as the pandemic was starting to lift and so I meet this older white guy, uh, we'll call him Tim. And this is right around the time of the Asian hate crimes in Atlanta, mm-hmm. right? And he asked me and he goes, hey, man, you know, have you dealt with anything? Like, is this really that big a deal? You know, and in my mind, I'm like, people are dying, Tim. Like, you know, and but what, how do I approach the situation, right? Because I mm-hmm. could just do the deferential, oh, you know, let me just not rock the boat. Like, you know, that's perfectly subtle. Maybe it's not a fight worth worth picking. In this case, for some reason, I was just inspired to say, hey, well, you know, say, may I share something with you? And he goes, sure. And I said, did you know that Houston's Chinatown is built on discrimination? And he goes, what do you mean by that? I said, well, at one point, uh, the city officials felt like, you know, all the immigrants are a threat to their level of stability and hierarchy. So they sequestered them all in one part of the city. And then to add insult to injury, they divided up the districts in such a way where they couldn't even concentrate all their population into have a vote in the district. And he goes, oh, that doesn't sound good. I said, yeah, it's not. You know, and I said, have I experienced any racial, you know, abuse verbally or physically during the pandemic? No, and I'm thankful. And there's a bigger system of discrimination that is not okay just because people are not, you know, suffering physical violence. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, things like that, right? Yeah, and those, like, like I said, those, those are the the things that I, like I said, I, I find that conversation entertaining because everybody has a little bit different take, and it, it I, I think it, it, it forces us to ask the questions that we're, we're not always asking, and, and to answer them and be truthful mm-hmm. about it because you get put on the spot. 
I drive. Yeah, when, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I drive for for Uber often here in the Wilmington area. I had a ride last night, uh, and it was a black lady, and we were chit chatting, and she mentioned that she was originally from Iceland. Mm, so yeah. I I threw the brakes. I wait, wait. I said, do people <laughs> literally hit the brakes though? Well, like, yeah, but we were like, we were coming up to it. Face into the dashboard. We, we were coming to a stop sign, so it, it didn't really oh, matter. So the, the hitting of the brakes was just coincidental. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. So okay. I said, now, when you say that, often do people look at you funny? She said, you know, they do. Every time I say I'm from Iceland, people stop and look at me and and ask me, really. Mm-hmm. She said, and I never really thought about it before, but she said, it's probably because I'm black, huh? <laughs> and we laughed. And it, she said, I, I guess, I guess it, she said, it doesn't occur to her because having been in Iceland with other black people, it, it's perfectly normal to have black people from Iceland. But she said, you know, <laughs> from an American perspective, I can see where that's different because we, we perceive so many of the, of the the Norse people uh, as being so white, yeah, yeah. Well, and this and to be able to bring these things up and not do it in such a way that where people like are so high strung and they're like, mm-hmm. you know, what do you mean by that, right? And it's like, hey, look, you just wait if you can bring it up with humility, right? Say, hey, look, yeah. just from one standpoint, this does not add up, right? Yep. From what we understand, yeah. you know, and then that's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was my question uh, that I've been trying to, you know, I've been kind of waiting to kind of figure out how to steer into. Go for it. Uh, But, you know, you were talking about, you know, the Chinatown being uh, a a result uh, of discrimination because of the way it's uh, gerrymandered. Yeah. Um, But it does make sense. Like my part of my family, my mother's mother, uh, came from a, an area in Phil, or came, you know, her mother came from Poland and they live in an area of the Port Richmond section of Philadelphia that is predominant, like the road signs are in Polish. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, when immigrants come to uh, the United States, they, they have a tendency to stay with each other, like in pockets, mm-hmm. and that creates, you know, very close families. Mm. And and that type of and that kind of culture has a tendency of the old the old ways stay in the new country, mm-hmm. and that leads me to the question: Is like what is there something specific about Asian the, the Asian community that you find besides the, obviously that you have that you're Asian and identify with them? But is there mm-hmm. is there something that's pervasive in that culture that makes your service necessary? Yeah, I I would say it's it's learning to fight the 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 power dynamic that you're used to, right? Because when you grow up, what mom and dad say goes, right? If they sign you up for you know advanced math classes, you go to them. You don't say nope, I don't want to do this. If they sign you up for piano lessons, it's like no, mom and dad like spent a lot of money, like worked hard to you know, like save up this money and spend it and invest in you. So how dare obedience, you, you know, obedience is admired. Exactly. Like following the rules and doing yeah. what you're supposed yeah. to do yeah. is, is kind of ingrained in you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, launching into the real world, yeah. you know, that power structure is still, it, it feels like that, yeah. but you have to learn how to, you know, push back against it. Yeah. Well, and I mean, just in real life, right? Like, Following the rules doesn't obligate any kind of success, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I no, mean, no, it does not. And, and that's the point, right? Is that, you know, these rules are in place. To, there, are, there are some rules that are helpful, right? Like try not to speed. You know, <laughs> I, I know that these speed limits have some more mm-hmm. suggestions than like rules. But the idea, right? I mean, my family would just say, no, these are the rules. Like get good grades. I guess you do a good college and then get good grades in college, get gets you a job and, and that. And when you get out in real life and you realize that just because you have a nice resume, it doesn't obligate a company to hire you. And then you get on the other side and you realize, yeah, I'm not obligated to hire this person just because they got good grades. Mm-hmm. And so that's when there's a lot of struggle and conflict because you just say, I, you know, I believe this paradigm. I thought it was supposed to lead me somewhere. And then when you realize that real life doesn't owe you any of that and you say, well, what do I do now? Right. And so to be able to speak 
up as an adult to my parents and say, look, you know, I'm not going to marry the woman that you, you know, wanted me to marry, or I don't want to work for the company that you said is supposed to be the end all be all. Like, I'm going to have to disagree with you. Right. But I didn't know how to say that. And I was too exhausted to fight my mom when I was in my 20s. And I just said, <laughs> fine, mom, I'll just work for this chain pharmacy. And I hated it. And then I blamed her, which, you know, the victim mentality didn't do me any favors. That's something her. that I think that's pervasive through every culture is that in your 20s, you're just too tired to fight your mom. <laughs> you either, <laughs> either like either like run away and become a drug addict or you just like, be, you know, work for the pharmacy that, you, that she told you to work or she just try to make her happy or you wind up taking care of, her, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. But, uh, it, you know, the overbearing mom is a, is common, I think. That's everywhere. True. But I guess the first conversation you have to have is, you know, with yourself, mm-hmm. right? That's the first yeah. difficult conversation you have to have. Like, this isn't, true. This isn't working, dude. Yeah. And the second yeah. conversation, I guess, if you're younger, I guess you're ideally, you want to get people young, you know, before it's, uh, before it's really too late for them. Before, <laughs> before they've got, you know, a big gray beard and missing a bunch of teeth, you want to get to the. Don't forget Wednesday night podcast. No, you can't. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, what are, like, what are some life hacks that you would have given your younger self? Uh, you know, if you were, if you were talking to younger you right now, like what yeah. advice would you give them? Yeah. I mean, around things like this is just to say, you know, whatever you do, it's your decision. Like you're the one who lives with the consequence of this decision. And then, you know, the second follow up, you know, one and one A is like, it's okay to disappoint people. <laughs> you know, like that would have been a, so much easier because they'll be like, hey, you know, the, you should sign up for this. It's, you know, like like Christian shaming, right? Like, like your faith doesn't mean enough to you unless you like, you know, do this mission trip or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you say and you can say something like you make a really great grace and I'm still going to say no. Like to be able to have that confidence to say, hey, look, you know, it's still my decision and you don't have to like it. And it's still because it's my decision. Right. Right. So those are some of the things that I would say to myself is just be like, hey, it's OK to not have to give in every time because the stress, the resentment that you feel for having given in is worse than, you know, the awkwardness of the moment of knowing that you have to just like nip expectations in the bud from the start. That's really good advice. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the, I was going to say something simple, like buy Apple stock or Microsoft stock. <laughs> <laughs> also, that's, helpful. Always, that's like, that's always my go-to when somebody says, Hey, you know, if you could talk to your younger self, <laughs> by Google, by Google stock. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's like, uh, or is it Yours back is to the future too? Yeah. Yeah. You just get the, you just get the sports almanac. <laughs> you like bet on everything. You're like, mm-hmm. by the way, when the Rams start Kurt Warner, bet all. <laughs> Remember this word, Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, right. Tom Brady's playing. Just bet on the game. Yeah, just bet on it. Yeah. There you um, go. <laughs> Now, I know when I deal with conflict or when I have, I either try to avoid it at all costs mm-hmm. and see if the person kind of just gets the hint, you know, or something okay. like that, you know, yeah. or I have this thing called pure aggression and I just, I, you know, I just get really angry and, and go at them, um, nice. you know, but uh, I, so it's passive aggressive and then aggressive aggressive mm-hmm. or my, or basically <laughs> yeah. my, my two modes, but. I, I would imagine that you would consider those to be mistakes. Are are those common mistakes, or what? What are some common? What you know? Is that do a lot of people act behave in such a uh, Neanderthal manner as I do? I mean, I don't think there's any. No one bats a thousand on this, Patty. Like, I mean, I skin my knee all the time, right? Like, even the best chefs will still cut themselves with a knife every once in a while, right? Like, we're human. Yeah, um, and I think. I mean, yeah, the common mistakes are, yeah, like, like hoping things will automatically get better on their own. That is a common mistake. Well, maybe let me just, let, the wound just needs to heal a little on its own. It's like, that doesn't work, right? Like, I, rarely have I seen that. Oh, like, the problem fixes itself. What do you know? Um, yeah, the other is if you charge in, like, a fullback without, like, a direction, right? And then you yeah. realize, had you kind of studied the territory a little bit and kind of, you know, sussed out your sussed out the the circumstances maybe realize oh i you know i interpreted this evidence entirely differently than what's actually the case and you know now i don't have to 
stick my foot in my mouth and then take it back out and then oh, right. it's, it's like it it's like right investigating right parents for a murder when there's DNA under the warrant. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> the that's time. why that's yeah. why he's the podcast host because he's he's tying everything back to our <laughs> good job. So I finally got a good good job out of him. All right. Hey man, no, this is look. Once we once we got to a point where we could cut up, I mean we're good. Um so I mean yeah, so the second was that. I mean, the third is interrupting, right? When people listen to respond instead of listening to listen. And here's the here's the thing I hope people realize. If you really want to mount a good attack, you wait for everyone else to empty out their clip, right? You want them to like lay everything out on the table and then now you know exactly how you need to respond. Right, as mm -hmm. opposed like to the duty method or something. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's just oh, it's like or it's like rope a dope, right? Or you want to use the the boxing method. Just yep. ba 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 ba. It's like all right, is that everything? Okay, now I can land the haymaker, right? Mm -hmm. you know, so I had a friend, and I had a friend growing up that used to fight like that, and he would get in fights all the time, but he was oh, he was just dumb, just <laughs> dumb. And he was my friend's cousin, and we used okay. to you know hang out all the time, and he would get in yeah. fights, and you just watch him, and he would just take a beating a beating but he could take a beating and then when the guy was tired yeah that guy was done it was he would just he would just unload on him mm -hmm. and i'd be like why like why don't you just fight him straight up because the guy was a fit dude he's like it's more fun this way literally said <laughs> more fun this way that's when you, you know, know because if you're if you're in a, a toy with his opponent and i that's that was the point and i guess no, he beat one guy with his own boombox. Like the guy beat him, like beat him up, and then he was, you know, had a boombox. He just guys. Anyway, my point is, <laughs> I guess the point, I guess his thinking was, is that he could. It was more fun for him to unload mm -hmm. than it was for him to try to, you know, stick and move. Mm -hmm. You know, he like, let the guy get tired and then, you know, and then attack. I think Sw that's swing know, a plastic cool. case full of heavy magnets and 8D batteries at him. That's that's really where it's at. He didn't that throw story it. alone is what made this appearance <laughs> worth it. I'm just like, what's, what's the payoff here? That's the story I'm looking for. <laughs> so instead of uh, beating a guy with his own boombox, what are some tips to resolve conflict? Yeah. So I mean, here's the framework I use all the time because. Just because I've gotten better at resolving conflict doesn't mean I, I, I've gotten to a point where I enjoy it, right? And so it's kind of like the the apathy you feel. You're like, I don't want to go to the gym this morning again. So it's just kind of like, how do I reduce the friction of engagement to the point where I actually get myself to the gym? And you just kind of inch your way forward until you realize you're done. So here are the five steps that I use in the framework I give away on my website, right? And so happy to. So let's use a, I'll use a real life example of this and overlay the framework. So at one point I had to evict a roommate. Tell me, tell you how much fun that is. <laughs> yeah, and so, you know, I did too. Thing? I had to find him a wife. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> That's a story worth another episode, I think. Um, yeah. So, you know, the first mistake, or one of the common ones, is right, just is just pessimism from the start. Oh, this won't go well. Like I know he's just gonna just ignore me. It's like, well. So the first step I tell people and tell myself is that you have to imagine what a successful conversation might sound like, right? And That's success valid. may, I mean, then there's possibilities, right? One is maybe he actually gets, pays up the money. Number two is, you know, he arranges uh, some kind of payment plan or three, he finally packs up his stuff. So those are all successful things, right? Because the one thing I don't want to settle for is vague promises that he's actually getting around to it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's step one. Step two is find 10 seconds of courage to initiate the conversation. And like this is to prevent people from waiting until they feel like they're brave enough to address the situation. Because, you know, you can't wait three weeks to address this, right? You can't put on the whole superhero costume. You just need to, you know, be a superhero for 10 seconds, you know, set the ball in motion, lock the gate behind you. And then that way you can't backtrack and be like, oh, shoot, I set this in motion. Oh, I'm just kidding, right? And so, I mean, don't get me wrong, like, I didn't want to knock on his door, so I'd type out a letter and then stick it, you know, in an envelope on mm -hmm. his door and just be like, oh, you get around to reading it. So, again, proudest moment, no, but it, I got I got the message across, right? So, step three is you want to script your critical phrases, right? You want to, don't let them bounce around in your head, you want to write them down, like, let me kind of organize this, you know, let me anticipate the 
pushback I'm going to get, and then let me counter the counter. Then step four, rehearse it, right? You want to spar the dojo before you fight on the street. You want to get some reps on the playing field, on the practice field before you get in the game. Uh, you know, practice in front of a mirror, record yourself on your phone, have a friend role play with you, right? And then step five is follow through because you didn't just do all this homework just to feel good about yourself, right? You are looking for a result. And so those are the five steps. Every time, whether I have to write someone up at work or I have to fire somebody or I, I have to have a conversation that I know I don't want to have, um, you remember that the cost of not engaging is is worse than the cost of trying and failing. Because mm. I tell people now, like of all the fallouts that I've had with previous friends, at least, you know, at least go down swinging. They should know exactly why you're upset with them. You know, just like, yeah, I hate it when you make empty promises. You know, they're like, why don't you ever call? And I'm just like, oh, I, I've been busy. It's like, no, just tell them. You're like, I'm mad at you. <laughs> like, you have this annoying habit and I can't deal with it until you decide to tone it down or stop it altogether. So, yeah. And it took a while for me to even articulate that. The truth is uncomfortable, but uh, it works. Right, your socks, yeah. they're, they're, well socks just, they smell. Your feet, they stink. You never take a bath. Yeah. Your, nose, you're run, your nose, it runs. You fuck your friends. You always finish last. I'm there sick. You go. Uh, Is that a bumper sticker? No, it's a Guar song called Sick of uh, You. That's why. I don't know if you ever listen to Guar, but they're, they're incredible. Um, <laughs> or rest in peace, Dave Brocky. Anyway. Fair um, so, <clears throat> anybody, uh, anybody else have any questions anybody want to chime in i'm just kind of monopolizing here mike um I got one. well go ahead pete we, we rarely hear from pete it's, on this it's, front it's, it's something i use all the time um it's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is permission yeah that's a fun one <laughs> like, you know conflict resolution it's like kind of like you just pick a different type of conflict you know like okay you know instead of having to ask you can I? I? You know, we're just we're just gonna have the conversation. I'm really sorry I did. <laughs> that's given. No, I mean that's a fifth. I like that. Yeah, in that in the from that angle, because I'm just like, what angle is he taking? You know, and then it's like that oh, makes sense. He's just like, hey, we have to talk now, right? And that's we've done that before. Because <laughs> hey, I did this. The the the, 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 the the messy ugly thing is done. You know, like it's done. You yeah. can't undo it. You know, yeah. like no, now rip we're the gonna band-aid off. Yeah, yeah. No, rip the bandaid off. You're just like, okay, we're gonna get this over done right now. And then they're like. like Wow. Okay. Yeah. I wondered, like said, I wondered, is that something that you come across in your, like said, what you do? You know, is that a, is that a, is that a good strategy? Well, that kind of falls in line with the test exes of courage, right? Because you just like, I got to just set Mm -hmm. this in motion so I don't backtrack. Right. So that's exactly it. It's a last ditch effort. That's a good point, Pete. Not necessarily a question by any stretch of the imagination. (laughs) (laughs) A stellar point. (laughs) Calling him out on air. Wow, good job. All right, <laughs> it's okay. It's, it's okay. I've I've got a thick skin. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> good. So, uh, you know, we we were talking a little bit about you being a pharmacist, and we've talked about you being a coach. But what what mm-hmm. actually got you into coaching? Like, what what made you like? Was it the was it the you said at the pandemic you or at the beginning of the pandemic you decided? But what what made you take that action? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was a long journey. Um, it actually started technically. I guess the genesis of this all was when I got fired from the job I moved to Houston for. Uh, you know, I was working for a chain in Knoxville. You know, I had a really bad customer service incident, and I just said, "Okay, I got to find something else." And so, I always wanted to get into teaching students, and so um, when the opportunity to teach students through a, a pharmacy consulting company that was located in Houston. Uh, you know, one of my friends who worked there made me aware of it. And she said, do you want to throw your hat in the ring? I said, absolutely. Because uh, I knew how well-respected this company is. And, you know, the chance to work for it was definitely a once-in-a-lifetime thing. So, you know, yeah, I moved down to Houston for the job. And they got fired 11 months later. And, you know, that was really tough to admit that I had kind of basically let that opportunity, you know, trip, uh, slip away. And basically, on that side, it took me a while for me to appreciate this, is that I just wasn't serious about getting the job done. Right. The company is not paying me to give stories as to why like, I, like what they asked me to do was unfair. Uh, the company is paying me to get a job done. And it, again, that lesson did not stick for several years until several years later. Um, so that was the first reality check. The second reality check when I knew I needed to get a lot better was when I stumbled into another job where my four of my paychecks bounced filling for crooked doctors. So 
not only was uh, this guy ripping me, I was jeopardizing my license and I wasn't even getting paid for it. Like, at least give me some money if I'm going to, like, right. all these cash scripts. Right. And how do you confront the bosses ripping you off? Like, they don't tell you these things in life's manual. Right. Um, and so my friends got me out of that job, got me on with a company that was more legitimate, but couldn't pay me more than eight hours a week. So this is in 2012 now. And I'm just sitting there thinking, what do I do? And they said, well, if you're willing to move to Austin, you can get more hours at a location out there. And I said, well, beggars can't be choosers. I could end up in worse cities. Yeah, I've got to go to Austin. No, no, no idea what my life is going to look like at this point. Uh, and that summer was key because that was when my friends who run a pharmacy leadership nonprofit said, hey, uh, we know I've been facilitating workshops on the pharmacy fraternity side, but uh, one of our leadership facilitators backed out and we'd love for you to step in. And so teaching leadership uh, is what changed my thinking, kind of what I referenced at the beginning of the episode. Is that, and so that was kind of the second genesis moment to say, hey, you know what, this is really fun. And I, so not only did it change my thinking and my path as a leader, because the only reason I got pharmacy jobs after that was that I had leadership experience on my resume when a full-time manager position opened up uh, that fall in Houston. So I moved back to Houston, took on the manager position, got written up again because I could not, I was not writing up or firing bad technicians. And so while I was on probation, the company had their funding pulled because of random drama. And um, yeah, the only reason I get an interview with my next company was that, yeah, I have a resume, I have a stronger resume now. And then these jobs that I would get, you know, more opportunities, but they were like icebergs. They'd melt after one or two years because the business model wasn't sustainable. And so when my previous employer went under six years ago now, um, you know, I just said, I think I'd rather focus on people development because that was just more fun. But it was still an occasional hobby, right? I was still scared of rejection and failure. And then I decided to get some serious coach training uh, right as the pandemic hit. And so that's when I started to learn, oh, this is how you file an LLC. This is a guy who can do a website for you. This is, you know, some, you know, figure out how much seed money you're willing to put into this because there's not a lot of overhead with like coaching consulting businesses. And I said, okay, between the pandemic and turning 40, I just said, how much longer are you going to put this off? So that was it. First year, terrified, right? I still have my day job and I'm like, where do I find money? Only reason <laughs> I survived covering my basic expenses was doing private tutoring because that was the immediate need I could fill. And then I appeared on like 70, 80 podcasts. I got really super carried away just trying to meet people and get my name mm -hmm. out there. And then the second year, yeah, I grossed a little more revenue, still trying to figure out, you know, when to make the full jump. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so it wasn't like I had to get into coaching. It was really like, it. I mean, if you told me when I was 20 that, hey, you would, you'll love being a leadership coach. It's just like, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> we didn't even know these existed. Uh, and so, no, I mean, yeah. when I was in my twenties, I don't leadership coach, podcaster. These weren't these weren't words. No, yeah, right. I mean, these weren't these weren't yeah. things that you know. And now there's there's I guess all kinds of opportunities if you have expertise in an area, or you know, maybe you don't have expertise, you can gain the expertise, and then yeah. you know, much like much like Jerry. So mm -hmm. I uh, sorry, I brain for it. Okay. It's just transparent. Yeah, he's yeah. transparent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, what are what are questions that you ask uh, mm -hmm. or that, that you ask as a leader? Like what are yeah. like, what what my thing is as a leader, like when I try to lead something, mm -hmm. uh, you know, mostly podcasts or you know, I I've got my uh, associate's degree from an online university, I'll have you know. And uh, when I, you know, I would always volunteer to be the, the group, when I do group projects, I would always volunteer to be the leader. Nice. That way, I know what was done and I could fill in the gaps and I could assign okay. out what I wanted. Nice. I could sign out what I didn't want to do mm -hmm. and do what I wanted to do. You know what I mean? That type yeah. of thing. I could kind That's of take, smart. take the It's self-serving, but it works. It's self-serving, yeah. but just like here, I, I, it's one of those things where I know who to assign these tasks to. You know, yeah. I know I know what to ask Mike to do. I ask know what to, what to ask Pete to do. We yeah. have you know we have other are, there are more people on that are you know a part of the podcast that aren't on here right now, uh, just scheduling conflicts. But they you know yeah. they donate time and they donate pieces you know pieces of video. I, th I think we have a piece of video that we're going to be playing mm -hmm. later in the C block from our BBC right. correspondent Stanley McFadden. Yeah, and uh, you know. <clears throat> staff writer bill and i know what i'm going to get from mm -hmm. each person and i know what Good. to ask of them and i you know and i try to 
do the and do the rest of it, you know, type of yeah. thing. Or have Mike do the rest of it because Mike does everything. Um, you, know, yeah, you learn to delegate. That, that's definitely yeah. a, that's definitely a good I, skill. Absolutely. We've been, so I don't know if you noticed, but this is episode 119. We do it that's once beautiful. a week, so that's well over two years. Yeah, uh, I tried to delegate booking guests. Mm-hmm. Anybody I could find because I didn't <laughs> want to do yeah. it. Okay. Right? But That's here fair. I am booking guests. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'm the one doing it. And I'm not like I feel like I'm kind of like not good at it. You well, know what I mean? I kind of like we had one guy just not show up. And I'm like, this has got to be my fault. Like, I don't know how this happened. No, it's, it's, I mean, it's, I gave him the link yeah. and everything. Um, but uh I've been on the reverse end of that. Like I would, this guy's machine was perfect just to cut in for a second. It was hilarious because like, I get like these prep videos and everything's going and I show up, like I get the link and everything. I show up, nothing. And I'm like emailing the guy. I'm just like, Hey, I'm in your recording room. I'm in your stream yard and nothing. And I'm like, uh, what? Like, why did you, why did we go through this whole construct yeah. and song and dance just for you to like not show up? Like this is your platform, you know? So it's yeah. not your fault. Yeah, I mean, there's more to it than that, but yeah, probably. But uh, <clears throat> you know, I've been uh, I've been using this uh, this Podmatch. Now, are you on just real quick? Are you on any other services besides Podmatch? Where do you get your? Because you do, I guess, a lot of podcasts, right? It's it's yeah, it's it's been a lot. I've um, Podmatch probably gave me probably ninety percent of my gigs, though. I mean, and that's a fun story because. I, I cold emailed a couple when I first tried and then, you know, I got maybe one or two yeses and then the rest were just like, you know, like nothing. Um, yeah. I got a couple of referrals because some friends of mine had had their own podcast. They were kind enough to have me on. But Podmatch was really, you know, I have to, I will sing their praises because, yeah, like they, I, I haven't given them a dime and, you know, of actual money. I've just given them a lot of social capital, but it works. And, uh, the fun thing with Podmatch is that it's again just that fear of rejection, and you know they're lining up pod podcasts. They're like, "Hey, apply to this," and I don't have a pitch. And I'm like, "Oh, I don't want to risk saying no." And then they send me an email. And they said, "Hey, you haven't been on active for like three weeks, so we're just going to delete your account." And I'm just like, "Oh, crap! I better put a pitch together and just start pitching." And then got plenty of no's, got plenty of yeses, got plenty of cancellations, you know, and uh, yeah. mm-hmm. and but you know, like I wouldn't be here without it. So yeah. So that's what Podmatch has done for me. I'm only a guest. I don't have my own platform. Um, I've only been, probably been invited onto three podcasts, like when people reached out to me as a guest, and one of those got canceled, unfortunately, which is kind of sad, and I won't get into that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the majority was me just kind of boots on the ground being like, all right, I got to hustle. I got to get in front of people and see what happens. And, uh, yeah, so even though now you can, all you can get is, like, paid accounts, but yeah, I'm happy to tell people, yeah, that was the quickest and easiest way for me to meet people and refine my own pitch. And it's, it's been great. Yeah, no, I've been, I've been refining the pitch. No, I know we're talking a little inside baseball, but I've been, I've been refining the pitch trying to get, you know, but uh, I've noticed a lot of guests like reaching out, you know, to us. And I was, mm-hmm. I was really shocked at that, you know, yeah. it's because we're so, you know, we have like three tags in our profile. You know what I mean? And it's imposter yeah, uh, syndrome. Yeah. You're just, yeah no, it, no it, you're absolutely right. I deal yeah. with this all the time. Like, why would anybody want to come on my show? I'm like, I don't, it's just, this is retarded. I don't even know. Like, pardon my, <laughs> uh, I'm an old Gen Xer. So I still have, I still, you know, have some of that old vernacular and it slips out every once in a while. Okay, man. Um, I'm not that far behind you, really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I kind of, not, not that you look, Old at all, but I just from from hearing you talk and you know the list, the, the you know the the list that you just went mm-hmm. through. I figured you weren't you weren't that far behind me. But uh, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, no, I've I've you know what's uh, what's the worst? If, if you don't mind me asking, what's the worst podcast you, besides this one? What's the worst podcast you've been on? <laughs> that's a fucked up thing. That's, never mind. Uh, that mean, was a bad I, question. I I'm not, I, well, that's let's, terrible. Let's put it this way. I, no, I mean, I won't out like the specific podcast because that's just, I think that's just yeah. not professional. Like if you have any, if you have any feedback for them and you're upset with them, like have it with them directly. Yes. But yeah. I, what I will say, what I can tell people is, you know, here are some, here are some things that, you know, to avoid if you plan on having any level of credibility as a podcast, right? Uh, number one, you know, show up when you have this, like i'll give an example like show up on time like i there's this one podcast i applied to and she was continually late like to her, like this is your own scheduling link yeah and i like i would sit there and wait like 10 minutes and then 
she'd be like, hey, I need to be sorry. Things got busy. I need to reschedule. And I'm just thinking, you know, like once or twice, I'm like, all right, you know, I'm, 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 I'll give some grace. And then the second I'm happening again, I'm just like, all right, no. And then it was like, finally, you know, this person reached back out. She goes, you know, I, I have some more time now. And then, but then it, just to, you know, bless her heart, like she was using new, like, you know, Apple technology. And so, you know, it like the, the, the setup wasn't really quite prepared or she was still trying to like iron out glitches while we were recording. And at one point, like the internet connection like stopped. And so I actually was like briefly made host on the zoom for a second. And I'm just like, you know, I'm, I'm happy to land this plane. And, you know, like, because I believe being professional for my for my hosts and just saying, mm-hmm. hey, I want to be a good guest, right? Like, I want to come with good stories. I want to come with meaningful conversation. I can always get better and at the same time, show up on time, show up presentable, show up, you know, video ready, whatever. Yep. You know, I listen to some podcast beforehand, which I haven't done, so I'm a, I'm a hypocrite. So, you know, but anyway. What, Pete, <laughs> what'd you say? I was going to say, I believe that's the I'm not a gynecologist, but I'll take a look approach. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Hey, he has a way with words, guys. Uh, so. Why he's here, man. Why he's here. Yeah. <laughs> I hire, I hire only the best to work for free, Jerry. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> there you go. But, yeah, I mean, it's just these are things that, you know, you just like, I can't help you if, if you think this setup is okay. Like, I'm not sure how you expect to really be taken seriously as a podcast host, right? So those are things I would say. That was probably, I won't say that was the worst, but that was probably one of the toughest because it was just like, you know, they had a heart to even start the podcast. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it's like, hey, like, don't just get like the free, like anchor, like thing, you know, some people, like, yeah, like internationally, it's like they're students, they have a, you know, bootstrapping budget and then, you know, they just upload it to like anchor and then that's it. And it's, you know, full of ads and the, the audio is not great. And it's like, okay, now like there, there are ways you can, do a little very 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 cheap ways to do it yeah yeah and uh because like this the the microphone setup that i'm speaking into was about 30 dollars. yeah and it came with my sound effects there you go i mean and you can hook this thing up to a phone i have it you know i have it hooked up to a computer that's hardwired and a a, you know external offboard camera and all that fun but you you know i did it with my phone i've done it and it sounds you know it sounds good and yeah. it sounds professional. So there's ways that you can, you know, ways yeah. that you can do that. Very chewy. On a bootstrapping budget. Mm-hmm. We are on a zero, you know, a zero budget. This mm-hmm. is a, this is a project of love for everybody. Awesome. Man. Uh, yeah. You know, so, but, uh, you know, if you, if, is there anything that I've missed? I, I think I've, I think I've gone through all the questions that I have. Yeah. Except for, you know what, man, I noticed in your profile. Okay. Uh, you know, you were you were talking about uh, things you like, and one of the things you love salsa dancing. <laughs> yes, I do. You tell <laughs> us what is it about salsa dance? I mean, I love salsa with chips. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so yeah. that's that's to me. If I, but uh, what is it about salsa dancing that? And can you step back and give us a demonstration <laughs> of salsa dance? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, if you all want to see clips, I can I can send sample clips later if you're curious, just because people don't believe me until they see me in action. I mean, no, I'm I, I will get, absolutely send trying, this to, trying to trying to trying to convince Hispanic women to know what I'm doing. That's just an uphill battle. I just learned to accept. But um, yeah, I mean, I mean you couldn't you couldn't just tell her you're Filipino. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I should try that next time. <laughs> I'm not dark I'm enough to be. I'm, yeah, I'm not dark enough to convince them. Of uh, no, I mean, pale, Spanish yeah. chicks. I mean, if it, you know, it depends on what you know, chick. I mean, you're not going to convince a Filipino that you're Filipino for Christ's sake. I mean, you, know, <laughs> yeah. you know, but if, if you're, you're if you're if you're dealing with a Brazilian, you might be able to pull it off. And they got nice big ass. I'm sorry. I, I, <laughs> do, I do. I do like lumpia though. Lumpia is delicious. But anyway, that's a whole other <laughs> conversation. Um, I mean, yeah, so the salsa dancing journey, I, and, you know, uh, to, I'll keep it somewhat brief, but I mean, yeah, it's a hobby that I never would have expected to to pick for myself. But, uh, you know, along the way, enough peer pressure and enough persuasion from friends. And at one point, you sometimes you just don't know when to quit something. And that's one of those moments because I first had a chance to learn it in college. And the, the tough part was is that the lesson was terrible. But if you don't know anything about salsa, 
you don't know that the list is terrible. And so you're like, oh, I must be terrible with this, right? You don't realize the instructors are useless, <laughs> you know? And so I just said, oh, I'm going to shelve this like forever because this is just hard and boring. So I'm just like, I got to deal with it. And then in the middle of pharmacy school, I happened to be friends with, uh, you know, with a, with a girl who was like, oh, you got to get another shot. You know, we're starting to scene up in Memphis. You got to try to get some real lessons. And so by the time I got to my third year in pharmacy school, I was pretty sick of studying and my grades had kind of gelled to the point where I knew I could like go out more and not like affect it too poorly. So I started taking some real lessons and then I started to get the hang of it. And I started to really like it. And then I graduated and moved to a city where there was no salsa dancing. So then I was just rusty uh, and I started to lack confidence, but I who missed the, it. Who the hell moves to a city where there's no salsa? Da- First of all, I would argue that every city has salsa dancing. You just didn't well, look now, well. Now it does. <laughs> I mean, Knoxville, Knoxville has a good swing dance scene, but they didn't have a very strong salsa scene, at least when I graduated and moved home. So, um, when I moved to, even when I moved out to Houston, you know, 13 years ago now, like all the initial friends that I made when I moved back, my second stint in Houston were on the two-stepping. And so I got into country dancing, uh, but the salsa dancing was more you like- You wear the hat thing. and the boots and all that shit? No, <laughs> but I need some. I mean, it would be- I mean, you do. If you're going to go do it, if you're going to go line dancing, you got to wear the hat and the vest yeah. and the assless chaps and the oh, yeah. boots with yeah. the spurs. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And so, uh, but yeah, with salsa, it was funny because I would occasionally go out on my own and there would be glimpses of what could be a really good dancer, but it just didn't, mentally, it just wasn't there. And then nine years ago, I remember when a Venezuelan friend invited me to a salsa dancing event downtown that was free. And I said, sure, let me, you know, see what I can do. All it took, guys, was one really skilled, pretty blonde. And I said, I have to dance with her. And then I was just locked in the whole time. Like I, I, I used every move that I could remember and left it on the floor. And then <laughs> she gave me a hug afterward. And I just said, why did I stay away from this for so long? And, right. and then I just, I just started going up a week and then that was pretty much it. So, yep. I mean, it's, you know, it's, they talk about that flow state, right? You're in the moment, you know, you're enjoying the music, right? You're around mm-hmm. like active, fit, creative, musical people. You're like, how, why would anyone not, want to be around this kind of energy so that's no, why i love it so much dancing's yeah. a great energy yeah so yep that's a that's an that's an awesome i gotta get into doing something i'm and not dancing though please please not dancing this is true for any skill like whether it's cooking or an instrument or anything i mean yeah it's when you realize that like most skills just can be learned with enough time and effort and, you know, evaluation. Yeah. like 10,000 hours, right? Yeah. You know, just, but start That's with right. one, right? I mean. Right. You know. First step. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I was, uh, I was, we were, we did read an article from BuzzFeed or some stupid shit mm-hmm. that uh, went over, um, you know, advice that uh, Gen X would give, you know, millennials or Gen Z. Oh yeah, that's only a couple and, of weeks back. And one of the pieces of advice I, I've kind of, I've kind of taken, I've kind of taken. Yeah, you know what? That's that's the way to do it. Is anything worth doing? Is worth doing half-assed. And what that means is, <laughs> it's better to do it half-assed than to not do it at all. Mm. Right? So if you're gonna exercise, like if you're gonna, if you're gonna run, right, it's better to go take a, a take take a run around the block instead of trying to do a mile. You know, if you're going to do, if you want to do sit-ups, it's better to do one sit-up mm-hmm. and go, oh, I can't do 10 sit-ups. There's no, yeah. If I can't do 10 sit-ups, why do any? Well, no, you do the first one. Yeah. And then, you you know, you get yourself into that, uh, you know, frame of mind that you, there this you something that you have to, you have to do. I've kind of, kind of adapted that in my, in my life. And I've, I've do everything half-assed. Just everything. <laughs> You you remind me of uh, do you remember a comic strip called Geek spelled G E E C H? No, I uh, right. I can't say yeah, that I that I yeah that's yeah it's an older one from like I think I remember reading it in like the early nineties or so. But there's this one strip I remember that was really funny. To your point, I think this is the opposite. Like this, is the dark side of that mentality. Basically, like this, like two older women were you know discussing like these like um, these cookies uh, you know, like are like notoriously high in fat like the Samoas right from like you know uh, Girl Scout whatever mm-hmm. 
right? Okay. And uh, and so the woman's like, I eat part of one, and then I throw it away. And then she's like, well, how many have you had? She's like, part of a dozen. My <laughs> 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 connection freeze. I, I can tell they get yeah, the connection. No, you, yeah, it, it came through. That's the fun thing about Zoom is it kind of it's like a hose. When the connection breaks up, it sits there and it lets it go. Now, well, my I hate my I hate my laptop for that reason. Like, there's times when it just hiccups and says your internet connection is unstable. I'm just like, what am I paying for? It like I know like there's no interruptions. Yeah. It's just for some reason, like, like my computer, it's, it's just no. Like you said, it just like squeezes yeah. right at the worst moment. I've been I've been fuming for the past week because. Verizon offered my wife uh, this offer. We were paying $89 for 100 megs or gigs of you know, uh, up and down. Upload, download speed was 100. Mm-hmm. We were paying $89 a month. They offered her 300 up and down speed for $49 a month. So she's like, yeah, terrific. So now we get this new router. So all the, all the Roku TVs, the Amazon TVs, uh, all the laptops, all the, all the phones, everything's got to be changed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Problem is the Roku TV in the living room, we don't have the actual remote for. We use our apps. The apps connect via Wi-Fi. So now we can't connect to the TV. So I've got to run a cord uh, from, the, from the router to the TV so that we can set that up. And none of the TVs... <laughs> And so this new router runs at six gigahertz. Hmm. None of the TVs uh, or the PlayStation can connect can can connect with the security code on this six gigahertz. Oh uh, yeah, the yeah you're gonna have uh, to make sure that you have so, a have a either a five. Uh, yeah, there's a secondary yeah. step down which I think is mm-hmm. five, and that just disconnects all the time. Or it just wow, two point four is most stable. Is it? Because I've yeah. been, I've been like, I've been throwing things. I've been stomping around the house. It's the most irritating thing, and it's it really is. It's the most, and mm-hmm. but you know that's why I always go with a hard wire. You can't beat a hard wire. It's the best way to go. There you yeah. go. That's true. Um. Well, dude, thanks for coming on. We really do appreciate you. You know, you coming on and uh, and talking to us all yeah. about you know what it is you do. It's been fun. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, but coming up after this, we're going to get into the C block, which are, uh, you know, uh, we have, uh, what do we got coming up in the C block, Mike? In the C block this week, we're going to, we have our, our, our two pretty standard uh, segments. We're going to start off, uh, we're going to come in hot with How to Survive Dating a Black Woman, installment number two from Stanley. And uh, after that, we're going to, we're going to go into your, your curated TikTok seg- segment, Maddie's TikTok Nonsense Corner. That I pepper with stuff that I try to pass off as yours. That's right. <laughs> he throws things in there, and then it looks like I I submitted it. So mm, because, right. because the bit is called Mad TikTok. TikTok Nonsense Corner. Um, so we're going to take a break, and we'll see you guys. You know, right after this. Just a reminder, everybody. This is the Media Virus Podcast. You can join us each week at themediavirus.com uh, or on YouTube. You can call us, if you like, at 1646-VIRUS-01. That's 1646-VIRUS-01. Phone lines are open um, most Wednesday evenings when we're taping. And if you happen to get our voicemail, leave that for us. We'll uh, we'll play your voicemail, talk about you, make fun of you, that sort of thing. And we'll be back right after this. We went really long, but I thought I was funny. I completely understand if people don't want to come on my fucking show.